message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something Jesus said to the, uh, to the Pharisees, who, as Marguerite shared this morning, were trying and trying and trying so hard to bring life to themselves by what they do. And Jesus turned to them, and in John 5 and verse 39 and 40, he said this. He said, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, and these are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Praise God. So it is a very sobering scripture. And in that, Jesus reveals that it's possible to know scripture in your head. It's possible to think you know God in your head, but really not really know him. And this is why the Holy Spirit is given. And I guess this morning is a little bit of a message about the Holy Spirit and how without him, it's just not possible for us to know him. And what he wants to do is to take us out of our depth. He really wants to give us that revelation of the Father, as Mike was speaking about this morning, that it's something beyond anything our natural understanding could ever have worked out. Isn't that why we need the Holy Spirit? You know? And I just say that because I'm, I'm, I'm open, might be, always be open to going deeper into the revelation of how good the Father is. Because, you know, that revelation, and we'll come to this later, is the only thing that will still your heart, only thing that will actually put pay to the source of all the angst in the world, which is the works of the flesh for people trying to grab life to themselves, you know. So really, these religious leaders believed in God, but they had no idea of who he was because the image they carried in the hearts of the Father was the wrong image. And I want to actually challenge you this morning about the image that we all carry in our hearts about the Father. I want to show you actually that when that image changes, the way that you think changes. In other words, God changes the heart to change the mind. He goes to the heart first. I'm going to show you this from the Scripture. So we're going to have a look, really, at a, a picture of our Heavenly Father. And uh, what the Apostle Paul tells us is that he's not ashamed of, of the gospel of God's grace because it has the power to transform us. And the reason for that is because the gospel first ministers to the heart rather than the head. It actually ministers to our image that we're carrying, what we're believing, really, about God. And in fact, the natural the carnal mind, apart from the Holy Spirit, does not and cannot have a true image of the Father. I'll say that again. The natural mind, apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, does not and cannot have a true image of the Father because he's beyond anything we've ever experienced in our natural eyes, ears, senses, beyond that, you know. John wrote in his gospel this truth. He said, before Jesus came, no one had ever seen the Father at any time. Now, that is one of the most extraordinary verses in the Bible. When you think of all the patriarchs, David and Moses, and even Jesus said of John the Baptist, he was greatest. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet, the greatest of men, Jesus said, even implying that his ministry was even something greater than Moses or, or David, and yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Because with the Spirit, you can know God in a way that you cannot know God simply with the intellect. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Praise God. So Jesus always, when he wanted to challenge the thinking of people and their views 
famously like the religious leaders, he always had an interesting way of doing that. He didn't argue with them face to face, as it were, trying to intellectually convince them. He told parables. Now, the reason he told parables was parable telling, storytelling, was a way of reaching somebody's heart to bypass their head. You reach the heart first, and the way they think begins to change. Let me give you an example of this. Take the story of the Good Samaritan. That happened because Jesus was asked a question by an expert in the law. You remember this man asked the question, who is my neighbor? Now, Jesus, if Jesus had simply said, okay, I'm going to give you a choice of three, what do you think? Who's most likely to be your neighbor? A priest, uh, a Levite, or a Samaritan? Which do you think? Well, that man in his head would have said, well, I know what the least likely to be my neighbor is. <laughs> because remember, in those days, Jews and Samaritans didn't speak. Okay? So his answer would never have been the Samaritan. So Jesus said, there was a certain man, and he told a story about a man who was beaten up and left for dying. And do you remember how the priest and the Levite walked past him? But the Samaritan helped him. And that man was touched by that story because, of course, as Jesus told the story, he saw himself in the story. He imagined himself lying on the road dying or one of somebody he loved lying on the road dying, you know, and his heart was moved. And so then when Jesus said, who is, who is your neighbor? Who is that man's neighbor? The answer was the Samaritan. Absolutely. You see why? Because he touched the heart. Because unless the heart changed, the mind can't change. So after that parable, really, Jesus had dealt with his intellect and now he was moving on to his heart. And we too all need to uh, grow up, as it were, and we grow up with intellectual ideas and various issues. In our head, we believe certain things about ourselves and about God. And when you look back over the years, actually, a lot of our ideas have changed, thank God. <laughs> We've had a metanoia. We're beginning to grow in our knowledge of the Father. And I really hope that's true for every single person here, because the Apostle Peter wrote, do not fall into error, but grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank God that, that Mike is sitting there with Lena, and they can look back where they were maybe here 40 years ago, and, and they've grown, and they've grown in their understanding. And that's for each one of us, that we're growing in our understanding, praise God of the Father and who he is. And, uh, and so when we look back over our years, those times that caused that change, what I would love to say is because of good preaching, Somebody stood up and they taught you the truth and you changed your mind. That is not usually how my mind changed. I look back over my years, it was something that touched my heart. There was an experience, there was brokenness, there was something that touched my heart and changed my thinking, you know. God changes the heart to change the mind. I see this a lot actually sometimes with ministers who hold a very strong intellectual position on a certain doctrine and will do until their family gets into trouble. <laughs> And then suddenly when the heart is touched, they begin to get a different revelation. You see, because we have a father in heaven. We don't have a manager. We have a father. And the Holy Spirit cries out in our heart, Abba, Abba, Daddy, praise God. And without that Daddy, you can't think the way God thinks because he's a relational father. You know, he loves us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here for, to help us think in that way, praise God. So when our hearts are changed, our thinking is changed. It's interesting how the Bible talks a lot about the heart Always about the heart, the heart, the heart, not so much about the intellect. And uh, we're told so many scriptures concerning the heart because our hearts are a little bit of a mystery to us because in our hearts are all the hurts and disappointments and fears for years. And those fears are affecting our thinking. There's a, there's a modern phrase people use that they were triggered. 
Have you heard that phrase? <laughs> Somebody said something and it triggered them. You could have had a problem in the past maybe where you were brought into deception or something happened in your life. It really hurt you. And now somebody can say something that triggers that. And for a lot of people, you mentioned the word grace and it triggers all sorts of things which got very little to do with Scripture. But let me give you an example of this, another example from our everyday life about the way we certainly think about people in our head until our hearts are touched. In this Scripture, we see that uh, Samaritans and Jews, they didn't speak. They weren't allowed to. Remember when Jesus went to the Samaritan village, the woman was shocked that he was even speaking to her. She was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. Well, we've had that experience in this country because for years it has been a lived experience for a lot of people that Catholics and Protestants didn't really mix that much. I mean, they could be your neighbor, but they weren't really your neighbor because it was different streets, different schools, different marriages, uh, different burials, different everything. Praise God. And I remember a friend of mine, he was from Balamina. Praise God. He was from the Bible Belt, and his, grand, his mother, actually, was an old lady, and he was in her house one day, and she was watching, a, 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 it was a politician on the television who happened to be Catholic, and she made a comment about him. Oh, like those Catholics, you know, and it's, you know, they're all the same. And he was shocked, and he turned around and said, Mom, what about Michael, the postman, who always looks in on you? Oh, he's fine. He's no problem with him. Oh, right? And uh, what about... What about Sean the milkman? You know, he always leaves. Oh, no, I know Sean. Sean's a great lad. He's a great lad, yeah? And Seamus the butcher. Oh, he's a great... And in fact, everybody he asked her that she knew, they were fine. It was only the one she didn't know that she had a problem with. You see, the heart, the heart, the heart changes the opinion. When there's relationship there, it's different. It's different. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't have that relational understanding of the gospel, or of the Father, or of anything. When our hearts change, our thinking changes. And so Jesus all the time was challenging people's intellectual positions when he met the religious leaders by telling them stories. And very often, his story would begin something like, um, I remember one time he, he, he was chastised for healing on the Sabbath. And there was an issue here. He'd healed somebody on the Sabbath. And the religious leader says, it says in the Bible, you must not work on the Sabbath. They were adamant about that. And what was his reply? If you had a child, that was his reply. If you had a child who fell in a well on the Sabbath, would you pull it out or would you leave it there? You see what he's doing? He's taking that very black and white issue and he says, no, it's about people. It's about the heart of the Father for people. Even if he had an ox that fell in the well, you'd pull it out, wouldn't you? So he was always doing this. Another time he was challenged by the religious leaders for fraternizing with tax collectors and great sinners. And these men were saying, that, that's, that, he can't be of God. The Bible says you shouldn't even associate with those people. And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. There was a man who had two sons. You see what he's doing? He's putting them into the story. He's saying, now imagine yourself as a father, as a son, and that's often the way we, when we see people, and I tell you the, the, the way this always happens, you pick up the Sunday paper. Sunday papers are sold, really, by pulling people to pieces. Have you noticed the way they do that? They'll build up somebody, and then suddenly they'll, they'll, they'll try and pull them to pieces. And we pick up the Sunday paper, and we read about some politician or some pop star or somebody, and we go, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Look what they've done sort of thing. You don't know them. If that was your child on the front of the paper, you wouldn't say that. You would feel totally... If that politician was your brother, you wouldn't think like that. You see? So it's the same. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He, he brings in the relational attitude that we can't have. We can only know him by the Spirit. And the Spirit comes to change our thinking in such a beautiful way. Praise God. And that is, that is actually what he does. 
So just what Jesus did, he told these parables and stories, and he was always ministering to them, you know, and, uh, because when our hearts change, our thinking changes. Now, I wanted to give you a demonstration of this this morning. I didn't want to just to say that. I wanted to give you a demonstration of what happens when your image of the Father changes. It's such a beautiful thing. And uh, many of us have grown up with an image, really, of the Christian life, almost like a marathon race that God has left us to run by ourselves. He, I grew up thinking that God is somewhere at the finishing line in heaven, and if I get to the finishing line one day, if I've run a good enough race, if I've lived a good enough life, then one day I'll get to the finishing line, and he'll be there to pick me up and give me a big hug and say, well done, that's it. You qualify. Praise God. Your race was good enough to get to the finishing line. But this morning, I want to give you a more accurate picture of the gospel and a more accurate picture of the Father. Now, they say one picture is worth a thousand words. So I actually looked about how many words I type in one of these sheets. And actually, a thousand words is about one and a half sheets. And I take about 10 minutes to go through one and a half sheets. So this picture will save you 10 minutes, okay? (laughs) Now, what's happened is, um, something happened uh, which was beautiful in England last week, last Sunday actually. And this, what happened actually touched more people, more powerfully, I believe, than all the messages preached in all the churches in England last week. Okay? Some of you will have seen this image, you know. And what it was really, uh, it was a picture of two friends, two former rugby league players. They're both amazing, amazing athletes. One of them is called Rob Burrows. And this man has got motor neuron disease. And he's got a friend who's been raising money for him. And this friend has been running marathons. And this friend made a marathon in Leeds and named it after his friend, called it the Rob Burroughs Memorial uh, Marathon. And if I actually put that, whoops, I've managed to lose it now. Just put that first slide back up again, Pete. Maybe I'll get you to click through it if I can't do it. No, there we go. So we can see his friend pushing him. And so his friend pushed him, really, all 26 miles of this marathon. And then, actually, uh, just before the end of the marathon, he did something beautiful. He picked him up when he got to the line, carried him over the line, and uh, gave him a beautiful kiss as he carried him over the line. And everybody was just, oh, my Lord, that was just so powerful. It touched people in such a, such a beautiful way. You know, one of the strangest things about that is the name of his friend. His name is Kevin Sinfield. I thought, oh my goodness. What a picture of Jesus Christ who became the field for all our sin, the life that was to take all of our sin. And you see, I always thought that the gospel was that I'll run a race and one day I'll cross the line if I run a good enough race. This is the gospel. He came to run the race for you. He carried you. He ran that race for you so that you wouldn't have to. You see, he looked on you as crippled by sin. You're not capable of running the race. You are never capable of being a Christian, of getting to heaven on your own merits. Never. So he run the race for you. Christ came and he ran that race. He lived that life in your stead just for the joy of picking you up and kissing you as he crossed the line. And that's why what Marguerite said this morning was so powerful. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants us to experience the kiss, you know. Because there are so many of us as believers who have everything up here in our head. We can quote you Bible verse after Bible verse, but our hearts aren't moved enough, you know, to to understand that when we see the, the worst person in the worst situation, Jesus said, there but for the grace of God is you. So this is the power of the gospel. It's so powerful, actually. Our hearts were created for this sort of love. I think most people... 
maybe don't even understand why they, why they were moved by these pictures. How can we be moved by that? How can, how can we know in our knower that this is what love is? That love does it for you. That love doesn't leave you to save yourself, but that love carries you. How can we know that? Because our hearts were made by that sort of love. We were made by somebody whose idea of love was this. That's why something in us jumps. I think I remember saying to you that uh, over the years, I, I really began to struggle with what I was hearing about the father because my own father was better than that. <laughs> I knew my own father was such a good father. He'd give me the shirt off his back. He'd give me everything. He'd lay down his life for me, you know. And yet the God, the father I was hearing about, seemed to be transactional. Well, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. If you'll first do this and give me, then I will. No, God is not a then I'll. He's the one who first loved us. He's the one who ran the race, carried us over the line, did everything for us, and now simply asks us to receive. That's our work. And we can't even do that by ourselves. He doesn't even leave us to receive by ourselves because we can't even know that he's like this apart from the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful thing about preaching the message that God does not leave us to save ourselves because when we preach the gospel, we mention Jesus, <coughs> the Holy Spirit is present to confirm because when you see this, your heart jumps and you go, yes, I know that's his love. And we cannot know that apart from the Holy Spirit. We have a God who loves us enough to run the whole race for us. For he sees that a man or woman crippled by sin cannot run, cannot live as God intended them to live, you know. And so that's why he, he speaks to the heart through so many things in our life, through our love for our family, through our love for our children, through our love. I mean, there's nobody who hasn't been touched by love in some way. Praise God. And so when we think... Um, I think I remember years ago I told you that sometimes when I would have a problem maybe as a minister dealing with people in the church and sometimes people can get very angry and, and it can be difficult to deal with people. I had this little technique in my head where I imagined that they were Christopher, <laughs> my, my eldest son, because when he was born, I felt that love, such a love, I thought, you know, and if anybody would now speak against any of my children, I'd say, hang on a minute, hang on. you don't know what they've been through, you don't know them, <laughs> you know. Don't you speak, you know? So that's the way he feels about us. When the accuser comes to say, ah, look at you, look at you, and bring up all your dirt before you, he's the one who says, no, <laughs> no. I saw why they did that. They didn't know me. Praise God, they didn't know me. God never left us to save ourselves, you see? And that's coming back to the verse we began with when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently. Because you think that by them you may have life, but you will not come to me. What Jesus was revealing there was that men and women are not saved by their own diligence. You're not saved by your own study, your own prayer life, your own abstinence, your own holiness, your own everything. God never left us to save ourselves. He doesn't even leave us to believe by ourselves. We're not even saved by our own faith because faith comes by Praise God. You know, Greg Henry preached a beautiful message, and the, the third message he preached, a few of us got together, and it's actually on the internet. You'll find it under the title on YouTube, and Northern Ireland is called Kept by the Faith Revealed in Jesus Christ. And what he showed really was that for years, he had tried to work God's blessing out of him through his faith, through mobilizing his own faith. If I can get my faith going, you know, that's to boast. If somebody stands in a pulpit and says to you, you could get your faith working and you can get more out of God. That's, that's blasphemous. You can't get more out of God. He'd give you Jesus Christ. 
He gave you his Holy Spirit. What more has he got to give you? Praise God. Now, we can learn to receive. <laughs> and I need to grow up on that and you need to grow up on how to receive. Praise God. And that's something that God works in our hearts to deal with our hearts. He soften our hearts. Praise God. You know, God knows this. Unbelief, really, is the place where works of the flesh come from, you know. Unbelief in a father who would never leave us to save ourselves, but has always gone before us to save us, you know. Uh, In the words of Paul to the Corinthians, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting our sins against us. So unbelief in a God who utterly saves you himself can only leave you trying to save yourself through your own strength. I'll say that again. Unbelief in a God who utterly saves you himself can only leave you trying to save yourself in your own strength by what I do, by what I try to do better. The Bible calls that works of the flesh, works of the flesh. And um, Jesus knew that. He knew that's the why people are sinning. He knew that they were like drowning men grasping for life. Even from the cross, when he looked down and saw the people who were killing him, those people were killing him because they thought, by killing this man, we can have life. You see, God will be pleased for us by killing this man. So they were actually grasping for life, and he could see that. He loved them so much that he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, you see. So works of the flesh, really, are like people who are grasping for life. When you will not accept the fact that you're utterly saved by Jesus Christ, 100%. When you think it's 99% plus your 1%, you'll never have any rest. Your heart cannot be in rest. If you think that you have to run, or that Jesus runs 99% of the race, but you must run the last 100 meters yourself, your heart can never rest. For how will you ever know you've run well enough your last hundred meters, you see. It must be that he picks you up. It must be that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It must be that he found us when we were dead in our sins. He raised us up. He did it all. It must be that way. And that's what the Bible says, is that God did all that. Jesus united himself with humanity so that he could pour out his spirit so that all men could know and have the capacity to receive if they want to. Praise God. For, for some reason, some want to stay in the dark, but anybody who wants to, and I think you have to be at the point where you realize, I cannot do this to want to. Praise God. And we all get to that point in life again and again, actually. Praise God. Here's one of the biggest ironies, really, of preaching the gospel of Christ's finished work, what we call the gospel of grace, the gospel of a God so generous that he's already given us everything we need in Christ. This gospel that is so disparaged sometimes by those whose faith has slipped from his sinless life onto their sinning less life. Their irony is that this gospel that's supposed to be soft on sin is in fact the only gospel that has the power to set men's hearts at rest from trying to save themselves. In other words, to deal with works of the flesh that bring forth what Paul described in Galatians, factions, divisions, finger-pointing, idolatry, adultery. In other words, in looking to the strength of the flesh to give us life through looking to our own works of service, to our own prayer life, to our own something. That's actually you having adultery with the works of the flesh to try and get God to give you something. God says, no, look to the cross. For if he delivered up his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Did, did you miss something when Christ was given? Did, did, is there something that we did not receive? All things have been given, praise God. So whatever picture of God we have, whatever the disappointments and all the stuff that's happened in our life, Jesus came to reveal this picture of the Father, 
Praise God. And the wonderful thing this morning is to say that he didn't leave us even to believe in this by, by ourselves. He's given us his Holy Spirit. So in fact that we can, even as we hear the word Jesus, as we hear this gospel that says that he has not left you to save yourself, that he has ran the race for you, just for the joy of being able to carry you from death to life in his body. The Bible says, look up, lift your head, as Marguerite this morning, lift your head, lift your head, lift your head, look up, look up, look up. Stop looking at your earthly record. Stop looking at all the things people did to you. Stop looking at what you don't have or what they didn't or what they did to you. That's not who you are. You're not named by your earthly record. The Father says, behold, my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He said that to Jesus so that Jesus was able to withstand all the accusations. Well, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you do something? Turn those stones into bread. Get down off that cross. Do something. Jesus said, no, I am who I am. I know who I am. And he knew who he was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given that we would know that. But this morning, I wanted to just, as I'm closing, actually speak to you about a beautiful kiss from heaven that many of you here have known, which bypasses the intellect. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's something that many of us have taken for granted for years, you know. That, I mean, the first thing I would do this morning when I heard that Nicola was in trouble, I'd pray in tongues. I'd pray in tongues. You know? And every person here, every believer, you have that gift within you. Sometimes it just needs releasing. And, uh, and I believe God wants that for every one of us because it's, like a, it's, it's something that's so comforting. You know, what's more comforting for a child to be picked up and put on their father's knee or held? Like our little uh, granddaughter, Ava, now, she's a month old, when she cries, it's easy to see what a mum or dad will do. They take the child to their breast, and the child then calms down because it can't get any closer, praise God. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to fill us with that revelation that I'm okay. I'm in him, and he's in me. And it's such a supernatural thing, out will come even that wonderful gift of tongues. And so this morning, before we come to the table, I wanted to do, and actually Mike was leaning into this during the worship. He made us to sit down to do certain things. At one point, Mike, you said, just hold your hands out. And I want us to do that again this morning. I want us just to adopt a position to receive, even as Margarita said, the Holy Spirit was saying this morning about change your position. <laughs> so can I ask you to stand for a moment, children as well, to stand. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray one of the oldest prayers in the church, nearly 2,000 years old. It's only got three words. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Just put your hands out. I'm just going to pray. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do this morning. Father, we, we worship you. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're so generous. That There's nothing we have to do to qualify except to receive. And Father, every, every person here this morning is here, Lord, because they're crying out to you. And you say... Whoever cries out to me, I will in no way turn away from. So, Father, you've seen all the disappointments in every heart here, all the hurt and the fears, even this morning, things that crowd in to try and distract us. But yet, Father, we find ourselves standing in your presence, and we say, Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come rise up in each one of us. Just fill us again with your peace and your joy. Father, we just thank you for healing in this place this morning that you give pictures, you say to us, what do you see? What do you see? So, Father, right now, I just pray, Lord, just for that touch of the Holy Spirit, quickening every mortal body, 
Uh, Father, I just thank you for uh, you just the way you, you've, you touch our physical bodies as people here, Lord, with sicknesses in their bodies. I just thank you, Father, that life is greater than death, that light is greater than darkness. <laughs> Father, that hope triumphs because you have not left us by ourselves. You have come to pick us up. We're not trying to get somewhere. You're carrying us. You're carrying us today. Your spirit is within us. And so we thank you for that fire rising up in every one of us from the children right the way through. Just receive right now the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Receive everything God has for you. Just because you're believing by the power of the Holy Spirit this truth that he never left you to do anything by yourself, even to receive, even to believe. So Father, we just thank you this morning. We take authority over everything, every lie spoken over these lives this morning. You're not this, you're not that, you're a disappointment. Father, I just thank you that you love us. That picture of Rob Burroughs being kissed as he was carried over the line, that's the picture you have for us today. That's who we are. We're carried in your arms. You give us the kiss of your Holy Spirit, a kiss from heaven. We thank you for that in every life here this morning. Praise you, Jesus. (laughs) 